Standby. Hello, this is Penn Jillette. The possibility exists that if I were to actually listen to the lackadaisical Librocubicularist podcast featuring host Jordan Maywood, I would potentially enjoy it. A ringing endorsement. Potentially enjoy this episode, which will start after the other half of my magical comedy duo, Teller, gives us a countdown. Take it away, Teller. Hello. Welcome to the LibroCube. Uh, my name is Jordan Maynard, and I am the Lackadaisical LibroCube list. That's who I am. Today, my friends, is Video Games Day. That's combining a Thursday in video games. It's what has happened. Crash, boom, bang. Sis, boom, bang, even. Together, they have done. Sentences are strange sometimes. Mm. Something I like to say at the top of every show is that there will be spoilers. I will spoil the bejesus out of this game. No ifs, no ands, no buts about it. Please take heed of that warning. Heed it well, my friends. Heed it well. Another thing I like to say at the top of every show is that, if you like what you hear, the only payment I ask is a million credits. <laughs> no. That is ridiculous. The only payment I ask is perhaps you pass the podcast on to a friend. Perhaps you rate, subscribe, and comment within iTunes as that is what helps podcasts grow larger, not grow smaller. I realize you could say it grows smaller, and that doesn't make sense, because, again, English, dumb. But in this case, I mean grow larger. Okay? No. All of that said, we'll, of course, a horse, a horse, take us into our last piece of podcast-related business, which is today's sponsor, which is Laura Croft's Womb Greater Abortion Clinic. Yikes. Once again, today's sponsor is Laura, Cloth, Laura Croft's Womb Raider Abortion Clinic. Thank you, I suppose, for sponsoring this. Most controversial sponsor of all time award goes to. Jeez, probably won't be back tomorrow after I said that. Uh, yeah, if you cannot tell... In this Video Games Day episode, we're going to be, and I'm using the podcast we there, discussing Tomb Raider, the, uh, I suppose, remake, reboot, re-whatever you want to call it. It's been read, so uh, we're going to discuss that. What I'm going to do now is give you a little behind-the-scenes action, and that comes in the form of me not actually recording this episode. This is just the opening. Yeah, I haven't recorded just the opening, or just the tip if you prefer, in uh, a while now, but uh, it kind of worked out that this is smart of me to do this, and when the opportunity knocks to be smart and beats me about the head and said, be smart, I have no choice but to answer it, although sometimes I ignore it, but not this time. So uh, further behind the scenes is that I'm like 95% done the game, so that's another reason I, I don't want to record the actual factual episode yet, it's because there's still a little bit, like uh, I'm at the point that happens in a lot of video games, and uh, I always kind of like that point, it gives me a little shiver of anticipation, that point where the game sort of tells you, and I, I guess it's not very good for um, a sort of storytelling point of view, it's where the game tells you, okay, this is it. 
You better save now, because once you go any further than this point, there's no turning back. And it's quite literally, quite often in, um, it's quite literally in video games where this happens. And usually in a, usually but not always, in a role-playing style game where you'll reach that point. Usually means you're going to have some bosses and some serious tough things. And uh, I'm a little past that, and I have had some toughnesses. So uh, I want to finish the game before I give my full talk. Plan, he says questioningly, awaiting an answer, despite the fact that this podcast is a one-way-only conversation, unless you email me to the address providing in the, provided uh, in the closing credits, or perhaps you can tweet at me. I am Jordan underscore Maywood. I would love to hear from you if you play Tomb Raider. Uh, let me know what you think, what you think of Tomb Raider, what you think of the podcast, what you think of the Tomb Raider podcast. Any and all discussion is welcome and warranted. How about them apples? Uh, I guess the only thing left to do is to push this button that says transition, and then you know what will happen after that? I will transition into the actual factual episode. Yay that. Transitioning now. Transition. One of the hard things of um, recording my opening and then recording the episode is that it's it's hard to not have any preamble. Yeah, difficult even. Uh, I, I suppose I somewhat didn't do any preamble, although me saying that it's hard to do preamble is in itself a sort of a preamble. So, apologies for that, I suppose. So we're talking today Tomb Raider with Lara. Lara? 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 Croft. This is the first time I've ever really played a Tomb Raider game. Uh, I remember playing one for maybe ten minutes a long, long time ago in a land far, far away. I don't remember the circumstances of me playing that. I know I didn't purchase it. They never really seen games that were sort of up my alley. In this one, I should mention on that note, I probably would not have purchased either despite the fact that it did get very, very good reviews, and it seemed like it might have had some potential for entertainment, it just wasn't something that ever really appealed to me, Laura Croft and her rating of tombs. However, it was free. Yes, free. If you are a PlayStation Plus member, this game is free for you, or rather was. It probably isn't at the time that you were listening to this. It's probably no longer free. I think I would like to verify right off the bat that even someone like myself who has poo-pooed Tomb Raider games in the past, uh, you're going to have fun with this game. It was a very, very enjoyable experience. And uh, how about unprofessional as I am, quite often give my rating right off the bat, I'd go pretty, uh, pretty solid 4 out of 5, yeah which uh, surprised me. Perhaps some of the reason that I am giving it a 4 out of 5, which is a good mark, no doubt about it, is because I went into it with low expectations. So that may have helped get a higher rating than it would have otherwise. As I say, I like to use my 3 out of 5s for enjoyed while playing, but probably wouldn't play again. But uh, this game, I think I would revisit, maybe not to play the whole game through again, but uh, they have this thing where once you complete the game, you can go back and sort of try to get all the collectibles, and uh, some of that I bet is fun, so I would potentially revisit it. Potentially. 
I may or may not, but I potentially would. If you are unfamiliar with this game within the Tomb Raider series, it's sort of a, not sort of, it is a prequel, sort of before, I guess, Laura Croft really got into her rating of tombs. This is where it all started. Interesting. So uh, she's kind of young, a little inexperienced, and hasn't yet sort of tried herself against all the trials and tribulations that apparently revolve around the raiding of tombs. There's not really much in the way of raiding of tombs. I suppose there's a little of that. Let me give you a little bit of the story. Uh, you're on a boat in the South Pacific, I guess it would be. And uh, you're looking for this temple for some reason, I don't know. Uh, kind of a cool little idea, and strange in that it has now put all of the uh, previous Tomb Raider games, I guess, in the future, because this game starts off as if they're filming a reality television show. And again, this is a prequel. So that will then automatically, and a lot of the tech that they have here, will automatically put all other games in the future. So uh, that's kind of a strange way to go about it. I, I think it might have made more sense to have this in the past. Maybe maybe an 80s kind of feel to it, 80s and 90s vibe to it. I, I think they... Uh, they fucked up a little bit there. No? Probably made it easier to write, but still, yeah, but still. On this boat, there's sort of two schools of thought on where this temple will be. They decide to go with Laura's school of thought, Lara's school of thought, which is more sort of a gut instinct, a little bit, because apparently she's got a nose and a brain and an intuition for sniffing out tombs. The boat sinks. Shit. Shit! Uh, they land on this island, and it's sort of somewhat quickly learned, a uh, couple hours anyways, learned, that uh, you cannot leave this island. Much like the Hotel California, you can never leave. What? Is that a Hotel California lyric? I think it might be. Anyways, uh, this is where it gets a little strange-ish in that they introduce, and I, I don't think this is abnormal for a Tomb Raider game, but maybe someone can correct me, they they introduce an element of sort of mysticism and magic in that it is, for lack of a better term, or perhaps even the correct term, magic that is keeping them on this island. So if you're in a boat, the storms will prevent you from leaving. Leaving uh, A plane tried to land, was unable to, there's, there's actually crashed planes all over this island, and it's all storm and lightning and magically created weather phenomena that keeps people from leaving. Cool beans. I, I don't mind it. I think it adds a, another layer of interest to the game. On this island, because no one can ever leave, there's a fair amount of people in the form of, let's just call them, bad guys. Yeah, a lot of bad guys. The main bad guy takes the form of uh, someone who, I guess, has been on the island for a long time and has sort of learned the tricks and trades of island living and has gathered men around him to fight for his cause, his cause of, I don't know exactly how he came to this conclusion, but one of Lara Lara's party members is sort of half Asian and looks like a uh, statue that is on the island, a statue that presumably 
contains the soul uh, or something, essence of a long-dead princess, a long-dead princess of some such who is keeping this magical weather barrier over the island, and he believes that if they take the essence out of this statue, put it in this uh, half-Asian girl, then that will allow them to leave the island. Duh! Of course that will is what will happen. Idiot. So that, that, that's basically your whole story. You're, uh, you're saving friends. There, there's others of your group who you have to save along the way. Infiltrating places. Uh, you know, this, this, the story is, uh, I, I suppose it's sort of interesting. The, the one the one sort of element of it I do like is uh, Lara Laura from moment one to the end of the game. She really does, and it's it's almost subtle, which is unusual for a video game. And that is that she sort of develops as a character. Yeah, character development in a video game, guys. That's allowed. You can do that, and it uh, it ends up working very 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 well. She ends up by the end of the game sort of being more of that. Uh, a little bit, maybe not full-fledged yet, uh, badass Laura Cloft, Cloft, Croft, that we've, uh, come to know and love, if you've ever played one of these games before, that is, I should say. Uh, it starts out with her captured, gotta have a good, uh, capture and escape, which is a video game trope that is used so, so very many times. In fact, I think at least a couple of times in this game alone that I can think of off the top of my head. Uh, the escape's kind of cool. It's through tunnels. She's being chased by presumably a crazy man, uh, wading through like very, very claustrophobic areas. She's got a torch. Water's like neck high at some points. Uh, falling rocks. Which leads me to probably one of the, the, I guess, best parts of this game. And that is that sense of tension that you'll go from brief moments of respite to moments of incredible danger and tension and hanging off cliffs and claustrophobic and shooting down rapids and uh, this game definitely falls into a category that I will call and I think have called in the past a sweaty hands game. If your hands get sweaty when you're tense, your hands are going to be sweating during this game for large portions of it. I will say. Uh, it's a good tension, though. It's not 100% tense 100% of the time, which I think is what some games try to do, and I don't think that's wise, because you need those moments of... Whew, you, you need a good... Whew, and I find myself many times over the course of this game just going, Oh, man, whew, I can't believe I made it past that. And uh, it's, it gives you a very good sense of accomplishment when you do. You, of course, have various weapons. I try to rely mostly when I could on my bow and arrow because that's just a cool weapon and then it adds the whole sort of stealth element too. Then there's the element that uh, you can most of the time but not always recover your arrows from your fallen foes so that helps because uh, I, I suppose it's a good balance of ammunition around this world that uh, I suppose sometimes I... No, I, I never really ran out 100%, but there were just enough moments where I, I started to have to think, oh man, I'm almost out of ammo, what am I going to do? But never actually ran out. So it's not like the, say, The Last of Us with its ammo consumption and being wary of the amount of ammo you have, that sort of idea. 
It's close, but not quite that. Uh, on the note of weapons, uh, you can upgrade your weapons. You find either actual upgrade parts for each weapon you have, or a sort of general nuts and bolts around the world in crates and on dead bodies that you pick up and then use those as a sort of currency to upgrade your weapons. You have the bow, handgun, that's sort of your first two. Pry bar, climbing thing, yeah, very important as well. Uh, shotgun, of course, assault rifle, and I think that is it, I'm pretty sure. Um, I think I had almost everything fully upgraded by the end of the game with the exception of the shotgun. The shotgun, even not upgraded at all, was pretty super powerful, so I didn't feel the need to upgrade that. Let's talk a little bit about the combat of the game. That's good. Yeah, uh, pretty cover-based. You do regenerate health, and that combined with cover-based combat makes it pretty easy, to be honest. Some bad guys will shoot, some will throw dynamite or Molotov cocktails, uh, and that brings us to bad guys as a whole, which is kind of interesting in this game. There's almost two different, well not almost, there is two different factions, let's call them. There's the factions of the guy I mentioned who's rallied all the people on this island together in a sort of army, really, because it's a fair friggin' amount of them you kill by the end. Uh, and then there's the sort of magical, mystical, Asian, are they human or not? Are they just animated, animatronic armor that walks around on its own? Is there, is there actual body inside, magic-y stuff? Then there's them. Uh, and sometimes they fight each other as well, which uh, I wish they had taken a little more advantage of, like it would happen in, say, a Far Cry video game where, uh, say, there's tigers, and then you could shoot the tiger cage, and then the tiger would kill them all. Something maybe a little more along that line, like leading the bad guys together so they fight one another, that, that sort of idea. Oh, I always love that in a video game. Oh, uh, you know what? I, I don't think I wrote it down. Maybe I did. This game and Far Cry are very, very, very much alike. Uh, this world does not feel nearly as open to world. But uh, a lot of the gameplay and getting from point A to point B feels very, very similar. There's no uh, transportation, though, I, I should say. You're always walking on foot or climbing. A lot of climbing done. And it's done well. And those are some of the sweaty moments, the jumping and climbing. It's never... One thing that always has me worried about uh, platforming moments like that is that it's just friggin' impossible, and you have to be super accurate 100% of the time in order to make it past sections. That happens very, very infrequently, that you have to be so incredibly 100% of the time accurate to get past a difficult section. So when it does happen, sure, you have that sense of accomplishment, but there's never that hair-pulling frustration of not being able to get past a spot because your reflexes are not 100% perfect 100% of the time. That's sort of frustrating gameplay. Something that seemed to happen, I've kind of, a little bit, ignored my notes. So maybe what I'll do is, since I'm near work, uh, I thought maybe I could get this done on the way to work, but maybe I can't. Maybe I'll, I'll glance more at my notes on my drive home sort of idea. Let me just do so now.
Uh, deer hunt, yeah, that's how you... It's almost like a tutorial at the beginning, getting to use your bow and how to move around and how to shoot. So that was good. Sort of a seamless tutorial I really like. To me, some of the... Actually, some of the hardest... Let's call them bad guys, or... I don't know about hardest, but freaking scariest, was right off the bat you have to fight a whole bunch of wolves. And that was tough. I, I died a couple of times. I think just because they had me on edge so much. And I think that's because uh, I don't have bad dreams very often, but ones I do recall from time to time, perhaps even recurring on a semi-regular basis, involve running from wolves in like a woods, in a forest. So when I'm in this video game, running from wolves in a forest, uh, yeah, it had me a little nervous, I guess. So uh, that, that part was a little tough. Despite the fact that those are some of the very first let's call them bad guys that you face, or the wolves. And they weren't actually that tough. But still. Yeah, but still. There's a part uh, somewhere near the beginning as well where you have to go into a wolf den. Ugh. Yeah, I didn't like that. It's like pitch black venturing into the wolf den. Scary stuff. Alright, folks, I'm at work. So, uh, I will come back because I'm sure there's some things in my notes that deserve to be mentioned because, you know, why would I write them down otherwise? <laughs> yeah, so there. So I will say, as I do from time to time, that... Love you, dearies. I'm a fool to do your dirty working, working, working. And we're back. We are back! We are back! We are back! We are back! 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 We are back! Back in action! Hello again! That was a goddamn busy day. I think, uh, maybe a little bit of a record as far as fastest turnaround from getting a shipment in, clearing it in, invoicing it, and reshipping it out again, which is just what you want to do, right? That's how you make the money. Uh, when I say how you make the money, I of course mean my boss, so, you know, good for him. Oh boy. Thus concludes Jordan's work talk. Let's move back in to Tomb Raider, to a scene where I'm crawling through like dead bodies and friggin' rivers of blood. Which, surprise, surprise, it's not the first time that I've crawled through bodies or rivers of blood. Rivers of, rivers of blood most recently in uh, Brothers, A Tale of Two Sons. And dead bodies most recently that I remember... Uh, in Far Cry 3, which this game shares a lot of similarities with Far Cry 3. And that's a good thing, because I love that game. Uh, easy, 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 5 out of 5, easy, made easier by the fact that uh, within that game I did get my Platinum Trophy, which if you are unfamiliar with the Platinum Trophy, it is if you have a PlayStation and get every single trophy within a game, all the bronzes, all the silvers and all the golds, they then award you the Platinum Trophy, which uh, I think I've got five or six or seven of. So yay. Yay trophy. It's stupid, but, uh, you know, I still brag about it. It's still a sort of sense of accomplishment, which I feel like that's probably the third or fourth... forest? The third or fourth time I've said the phrase sense of accomplishment. But whatever. Whatever. Falling down waterfall. I've written here. Don't go chasing waterfalls. 
would be some good advice. On the note of don't go chasing waterfalls, the missus can sing that song, which is embarrassing, and adorables. Uh, several scenes within this game follow that similar vein of tumbling downwards, and uh, I like that. You're not too much in control because you're, you know, falling down a waterfall. Not necessarily a waterfall, but a very, very steep running water or sometimes uh, just a steep hill that you're sort of sliding down. It happens to Lara more often than you think it would to a normal human being, but it's fun. Uh, and if you fuck up, you can quite easily die. And this is one scene I remember from uh, Conan O'Brien's Clueless Gamer, where he played this game and he repeatedly died at the same spot chasing this waterfall where he would be impaled through the bottom of the chin like up right through the head and that did happen to me so when it happened pretty gruesome and uh, i did get a chuckle just <laughs> not at the gruesomeness but at remembering conan o'brien repeatedly dying at the same spot that i died i only died once so i suppose i'm a better video gamer than conan o'brien that ain't saying much i believe it was that section perhaps another one that ended with very sort of classic trope. The example that I'm going to use as my prime example is within Jurassic Park, I think maybe three, and it's that idea of falling and then landing on glass, and like, whew, that was close, I almost fell to my death. And then the glass gets a little crack in it, and then the, cla and then the crack sort of spiderwebs bigger and bigger and bigger until you fall through. That's been in quite a number of things, action movies, usually, and I always like it. <laughs> You've probably thought I was going to go, man, why did they have to use this same old spiderweb cracking glass trope again? It's been done to death. But no, I've never not once enjoyed it. A lot of the times it's uh, water as well. So like water will be on one side of the glass and if this glass breaks, we're all going to die because water's going to come rushing in. Uh, this follows almost exactly the Jurassic Park three one where she falls through a one of those crash planes that I mentioned earlier because there's freaking crash planes everywhere and uh, right into the nose of it and she's like whew that was a close one and then the whole spider webs and she continues her fall without uh, dying or breaking legs in any of these falls good for her good for her strong legs well don't skimp on leg day oh yeah this added something to this trope that I'd never seen before <sighs> or have I <laughs> I just questioned myself there Anyways, uh, what it was when she was falling through this plane, and right before the spider webs broke that glass, she grabbed a parachute out of this plane, and then she fell and then hit the parachute. That's a little twist that I never seen before, so I like that. Something that happens a lot in this game is fire. Shit's always on fire. <laughs> Freaking gas leaks everywhere. Uh, it's amazing that this whole goddamn island hasn't burned to a crisp bringing years ago with the amount of shit that is almost constantly on fire. It's uh, ridiculous. Now, it's that heightened sense of, oh man, everything's on fire, I gotta get out of here. But you could stand by a building, and if you so desire, and wanted to see a building be on fire for four hours and never change, you could do so, because nothing actually changes. You might reach points in the game where shit falls behind you, but if you just stood there, nothing would change. There's a point in this game where they, I guess they felt they had to add a little sadness in Laura's, Lara's backstory. It came in the form of her father figure on this voyage, someone who apparently had sort of watched her grow up, 
um, he, you know, dies. Mm, sad. And that made me think, are they going to do, like, an even further backstory? Just continue to go back in time? And that's kind of an interesting idea that uh, probably they won't do, but I think would work well if they did. And that is go back to when her parents were still alive and make that be your next game. Uh, interesting, but now that I'm sort of thinking about it, it may not work because she would have to get less and less powerful as the games go on, and video game players would not like that, I suppose. It's like uh, sort of reminiscent of the Batman games, where the most recent one, uh, despite the fact that it was a prequel, he still had all these cool gadgets that he acquired in the new games, which doesn't make sense, but hey, video games and stories do not have to make sense. This has, and I think I talked of this in the show opening, although that was quite a while ago from my perspective, and that is, uh, has that point in the game where you reach and it's like, all right, get your shit together because there's no going back from here. Are you sure you want to do this? Are you really sure? Really, really hammering it in. Uh, and that's why I didn't do my review last time. I can report that all points after that point were pretty hairy, pretty, uh, some more difficult than others. A lot, a lot, a lot of bad guys to fight. The hardest being, which I think killed me maybe four times before I finally got my shit together, uh, was this giant monster. Never really given the, f the story of what exactly it or he is. He's got to be nine, ten feet tall hundreds of pounds on me uh, with a giant like basically tree that he's swinging around. So uh, needless to say, out of all the bad guys I faced he was one of the toughest and I shot the shit out of him just repeatedly bringing shotguns to the head to basically no effect before I figured out you gotta shoot him in the back. Ah, shoot him in the back. Yeah. He was pretty tough though and again, there was like a sense of accomplishment when I beat him. Oh boy. Sense of accomplishment episode. So uh, I suppose that's a good thing going for this game. Uh, all this sort of section revolved around trying to get into a temple that was super, super windy. If it was in a Zelda game, you'd call it the Wind Temple. I'll tell you that much. And uh, the reason I want to get in there is to stop the, I guess we'll call him the main bad guy, from transferring the soul essence into or out of or something, magic, you know, magic stuff, I don't know. When it gets that sort of convoluted, and I, I basically know I just have to save this girl into, in order to beat the game and save the day, the story kind of falls by the wayside a little bit, especially when it's magic. You can just say, you know, magic stuff, or if it's a sci-fi game, you know, science fiction things. I managed to save this girl, as you do, uh, on that note, the super, super bad guy who had, I guess, set all these things in motion, little anticlimactic uh, on how I beat him, basically just a fight, shot him a little bit, guns and fists, nothing sort of cool involved, like maybe uh, I got to time it just right to kick him into a lion's pit and then shoot the lion in the behind so he loses his shit and bites off the guy's head. Something like that is what I was looking for, but no. This, me stopping this transformation from happening, uh, causes the storm that's surrounding the island to dissipate, so I am, I and all my friends can leave. The end.
with a sunny, sunny return. Uh, I think I also perhaps mentioned in the morning, or in the show opening, that uh, the game does give you the opportunity to go back and see if there's any collectibles and stuff you want to complete. Uh, I don't think I am, because sitting beside me right now, that was quite a coincidence, actually, on this video games day episode, but sitting beside me as I drive home and record this is my PlayStation 4! Yeah! So uh, I'm probably going to move into that pretty hot and heavy. The sort of lack of games may make that difficult. I don't know what the PlayStation Plus is like on the PS4. If it's anything like it is on the PS3, I'll be laughing. But uh, so far, the amount of games that are available seem to be a little on the slim side. I'm sure that'll change with time. But uh, look forward with breath, perhaps even bated breath, to some PlayStation 4 game talk reviews, whatever podcast things, whatever this is, but with PlayStation 4 games is what will happen. What else will happen, you might ask, is that I will say huh, that it is nice to be nice to the nice. Thank you for listening. We here in the Liberal Cube would love to hear from you. If for any reason you would like to contact us, you can do so via the email address, mailwood.jordan at gmail.com. And now I have a theory. I've got a theory that it's a demon, a dancing demon. Something isn't right there. I've got a theory. The best is yet to come, and babe, won't it be fine? You think? You've seen the sun, but you ain't seen it shine. Wait till the warm-up's underway. Wait till our lips have met. Wait till you see that sunshine day. You ain't seen nothing yet. The best is yet to come and be. Won't it be fine? The best is yet to come, come the day you're mine. Live long and prosper.